Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVIC coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your VIC card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVIC and Harris Teeter fuel points. Welcome to Gay Mass. Thanks for joining me on the show. It is 1 a.m. Sunday morning on August the 24th, 2014. Thanks for listening. If you're listening live, I appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with me this early morning, Sunday. 
And if you're listening in the archives, thank you very much. I appreciate that and hope you will come back for every other show. If you want to know more about me, you can go to offlimitshow.com. You can go to spreaker.com. Also, I'm on iTunes. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes so you can download every episode automatically to your iPhone, iPad, iPod, i whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, that way you can stay on top of all the episodes. Um, of course, you can always... Um, you can always email me if you like at info, I-N-F-O at offlimitsshow.com. If you have questions or if you have something you'd like to say to me, feel free to do that and I will respond on the air. So I'm, uh, it's uh, Sunday, as I said, and um, thought I would uh, talk about gay stuff. Or It's been a while since I've done a gay mass show, as, as usual. It's been longer and longer between each uh, show because, as I said, I've been busy <laughs> actually making a living, working, and all that kind of stuff, as usual. Most people, most of us have to do. Uh, so uh, forgive me for being so um, <clears throat> so long between each show. But I'm trying. Um, also, be sure to listen to me on uh, G Radio, um, which is also on Spreaker.com. Um, I have, have been doing a show on there for a while, but I haven't done a show for so long, probably months on there. But I used to do a show there. It's, it airs and broadcasts primarily in London, <clears throat> England, UK, general, whatever, and, and other places around the world. Um, so be sure to listen to that show. Whether you listen to me or not, it's a good show, good music as well. Uh, DJ Kez is on there. He's awesome. So be sure to check that out. Uh, anyway, so... Um, that song I just played is called Gay, <laughs> and it's by uh, an artist called, his name is Stephen Lynch, uh, from an album called A Little Bit Special, and it's, <laughs> it kind of uh, illustrates the <clears throat> dilemma a lot of we gay guys find ourselves in a lot of times when we're, you know, single and younger especially, and we have heterosexual friends whom either we have crushes on or they have, or they flirt with us, but they say they're straight or whatever. And, um, you know, sometimes being gay for some, some guys, for some straight guys, it just means the difference between a few beers or not. Um, we all know that to be true. Uh, if you are gay yourself, you certainly know what I'm talking about because straight guys often will flirt with gay guys, uh, just because sometimes they think it's, uh, <clears throat> they think it's cool or funny that a gay guy is into them because uh, they know that they're forbidden fruit or whatever, and it kind of is a kind of gets them off, you know, in, in their ego. And so some straight guys are like that, and others um, others are um, just uh, completely turned off by it and, and ew, whatever. And the funny thing is, I have I've always said that the guys who are completely turned off by it and just think it's disgusting and wrong and or whatever, or, 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 you know, act all macho, but don't fucking touch me, you fag, or and shit like that. Those kind of guys are typically the ones who are, who really are gay <laughs> in the closet. The ones who are comfortable with their sexuality, don't have any questions about what they are, typically don't give a shit if a guy's into them or not. It doesn't bother them one way or the other. They, they or sometimes they'll find it flattering and sometimes they don't, you know, it doesn't mean anything to them, but they don't get aggressive or, um, you know, try to try to be all fucking butch and macho and shit because they're trying to prove something, their masculinity, which has nothing to do with your sexual action. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so it reminds, it takes me back to, uh, to the Big Brother show that I watch on CBS. And, you know, this this season they have a contestant by the name of Frankie 
uh, Grande, and his sister is Ariana Grande. He's made that very clear many times on the show. Like, it's a huge deal. I don't know why he thinks that's a big deal, but anyway, it is. <laughs> uh, she's, you know, a singer, kind of an up-and-coming kind of ingenue singer. And she's, uh, so he's, he, anyway, he's gay and very openly gay and very comfortable with his sexuality. And there's two, there's two guys in there specifically whom are heterosexual, or they claim to be, one named Zach and one named Caleb. And Caleb's like a total country hick bumpkin kind of guy very good looking gorgeous body and you know nice looking or whatever <clears throat> and the other one's um uh, cody's actually in there too he's he's actually a male model really hot gorgeous and then they have um zach who is you know pretty nice looking as, as himself as well and zach and frankie are always like cuddling and and like doing everything but making out okay and in one episode on the after dark because you can watch big brother on uh, I think Showtime or some other channel after dark if you subscribe to it because um, it completely it continues to run the cameras 24 hours a day and so on after dark you can watch everything not just the edited show that they they, they live broadcast um, so in one episode of the after dark Frankie and Zank were cuddling in bed and um, Frankie got up and he came out of the bedroom and he had a huge heart on. <laughs> sticking out of his underwear. I mean, it was sticking out, but it was like, you know, he was pitching a tent basically in his underwear. And so I was thinking, does that make him gay or does it just mean, you know, whatever. And I don't think it makes him gay, but, um, because, you know, it's like to say like, just because someone is rubbing up against you or whatever, um, you know, in a certain way, uh, and you get aroused, doesn't that make you gay? Cause a woman could do the same thing to a guy and he could get aroused to a gay guy. He probably could get aroused as well. But it's not doesn't mean he's straight, you know. So it's the same thing, uh, and the same thing too is with straight guys and I mean gay guys and straight guys. A, a gay guy can you know touch a, a straight guy in a certain way and he gets aroused. So I don't think it makes him gay. A lot of people think it does, but I don't. But he does. He's like really, really all over Frankie, and Frankie's all over him. And <laughs> Frankie's like one point he just says, you know, anytime you're ready, just come on. I'm ready. I'm ready. Just let me know. Give me the sign, you know. And so, uh, but anyway. Um, my point is, is that, you know, a lot of times straight guys are, are kind of confusing for gay guys because they'll give mixed signals. And so it gives um, those guys hope or whatever. And I personally, I've never had a crush on a straight guy. I mean, I've never had a, when I say crush, I mean like a, I've never pined after some straight guy I just like longed for and wanted one. You know, I've never, ever done that. I've always been into guys who like guys. I've never really been into guys who don't. Um, and primarily, you know, most heterosexual men, to be stereotypical, generally, you know, aren't that all attractive anyway. I mean, not all of them, but, uh, you know, they don't, you know, I'd say at least half of them, 50% these days used to be a lot more, don't really take care of themselves that much or, or quaff or anything else. And so, you know, I've always been into guys who do and who, who take care of their eyebrows and their ear and hair and their nose hair and their, you know, they shave and they're clean shaven or whatever. And if they're not clean shaven, they have a nicely trimmed beard or, or whatever. So, um, for me, it's, you know, when I've never been into straight guys, but it is a phenomena for a lot of, uh, for gay men who have an issue with it. And I can, I think it's kind of self-deprecating or it's not self-deprecating. It's kind of a bad thing because, you know, if you have these straight guys who, I mean, are obviously unattain, you know, unattainable, um, and these gay guys are going after them, then what the fuck are you doing? You're, you obviously have some sort of, uh, you know, block mental block or something from having a true you know intimate relationship with someone an emotional connection because you're never going to have that with a straight guy so i always I always feel really um let down when gay gay guys are like really into straight guys because they're just not going it's not going to happen you know 
So they um, are, uh, so it's kind of sad to me. But um, I've never had that issue, but I know a lot of guys do. So anyway, that song is sort of in in uh, honor of the gay guys who have crushes on straight guys and what could possibly happen in their dreams, <laughs> generally speaking. Um, but there was a story uh, last week about Josie Greenwell, whom he's been an openly gay country singer, okay, for a while. And he used to date um, the Brazilian model Rodney Santiago, who was actually on A-list uh, New York. He used to be the boyfriend of, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, God, it's totally escaped me. Leekum, what's his name? Oh, God. Riken? Riken. You know, the model guy that used to date Lance Bass. Anyway, and um, so he's he's he's, open, he's an openly gay, and he's, he's drop-dead gorgeous. He's a gorgeous man. I mean, drop-dead gorgeous. Um, and he came out as a openly gay country music or country yeah, music singer. And now, all of a sudden, in the past week, he's got a new PR person, and the PR person is saying he is now straight. He has been rebranded from Josie Greenwell to Nate Green. They even changed his name to Nate Green and redid his image. And now he's considered to be straight and dating women and blah, blah, blah. It's so ridiculous that they're doing this. And they, and they say, um, you know, um, before all this happened, you know, with Steve Grand last year or whatever, um, the Josie Greenwell guy said said that music should be about talent and not sexuality, but I'm proud of mine nonetheless. Doesn't seem like he's so proud now, does it? If he's hiding behind a new identity of the name Nate Green in order to sell more records or records, that's how old I am, or CDs or albums or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> to sell more music. So it's really pathetic and sad to me, first of all, that he thinks that we're never going to know notice. I mean, come on, we're not fucking stupid. First of all, gay men are definitely going to notice. First of all, he's a very strikingly beautiful man. So it's not like he can just like take on a new pseudonym and be someone else. We're going to know who he is by looking at him. Um, and it, 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 people are just not that dumb. And so it just, that's what really annoys me is that he goes around and, uh, you know, sort of um, acts like he's straight all of a sudden when it's obvious he's not and never has been. Um, but anyway, here's a little bit of his music. He provide, he pre pre performed live um, um, last year, a couple of years ago, actually as a gay man. Woke up, see that pearl in the world's been out. Bill, need that pearl in the world's been out. Leave on out. Can't find myself home. I can't do it. One thing ain't going on with me. You can do Okay, so that's a little bit of it. So he's not exactly the, the biggest talent in the world, but he, you know, looks good. And in this, in, in that industry, all you need to have to really do is have a little tiny bit of talent, look really good, and a good story, and then you can make it. But um, anyway, it's really sad. But you can check him out online if you search for his name, and he's really just a beautiful. I mean, he's like you know, 
you know, the kind of guys I always thought was drop dead gorgeous and, and dated a lot of when I was younger. Um, so blonde and blue and all that stuff. So really beautiful. His name again is Josie Greenwell, or now his name is Nate Green. But I find it to be kind of, um, just not kind of, it's, it's just, it's, it's offensive as a gay man that he would go around and do this and, and blatantly um, pander to um, homophobes uh, to, to make money, to make a buck and to sell out essentially, it's, you know, kind of the reverse of selling out. He, he's selling out, uh, his, himself in order to make a career. Now, is that really something that is necessary? I mean, to some degree, yeah. I mean, to some degree you, you know, if you're in the music industry or the entertainment industry in any capacity, actor, whatever, if you want to be a leading man or a superstar singer or whatever, you pretty much, you you do kind of have to be in the closet and be, um, heterosexual. Um, that's the truth. Now, if you have already made your fortune and you come out later, it doesn't really hurt so much. It's sure. I'm sure it hurts the sales and, and whatever, but to actually come up or whatever. So I understand why he did this and why he's doing this. But the way he went about it is just is just ridiculous and stupid. I mean, we obviously know who he, he's not he's not straight, and to think that we think he's going to be it is so. Anyway, so I mean, if you're gay, just fucking be gay and just deal with it because you can't be somebody else and then expect to reap the benefits what someone else would have. You know, to say like, oh well, if I had been born straight, then I would be a famous country music singer right now. No, you, <laughs> but you weren't born straight. That's not who you are. So instead of him. Um, embracing this this fake self, he should embrace whom he and what he is, not uh, who and what he thinks everyone wants him to be. And don't you always find that people who whom are themselves are far more interesting and far are far more relatable than people who aren't? People who pretend to be something they're not, or or have things they don't, or whatever. Um, I find I find that to be exhausting. And, um, I, it's not exhausting to do it, but it's also exhausting to, to, to be on the receiving end of it and have to, to know someone's lying to your face and still pretend to be like their friend or whatever. So, so anyway, that's that story. I think it's really sad and and pathetic, but it is what it is. I mean, you can't really do much about it. Um, then in, in Berlin, apparently, uh, um, there was a video showing, um, what they said was the average Beijinger, Beijing, you know, but I say Berlin, I meant Beijing, sorry, Beijingers take on the LGBT community. Um, and it's, you know, in living in China is not easy if you're gay because, you know, not only is being gay here in America, um, difficult to some degree, um, in countries like that in Asia where they kill you or they kill, some of them kill their, their kids if they're born female, because they need a male to care to have them to need to have an heir and have honor or whatever. It's ridiculous. So, um, and then even that country and like Russia or whatever else, they have this horrible, um, outlook on gay men. And in China, um, this one woman says gay men in China are so feminine. I just think they're repulsive. And another person said, quote, we should give gay men testosterone injections. So, in in China, apparently, it, it, being gay is equatable to being effeminate because the man says we should give men testosterone injections as if the testosterone injections would make them more manly because being gay, in his opinion, doesn't make you manly at all. And the woman says that effeminate gay men disgust her and therefore she finds them repulsive. So 
you know, the problem is with people like this is that they somehow equate um, manliness with masculinity or manliness <laughs> with um, how someone, you know, who someone sleeps with. And, you know, this is just the way the most base and most fundamental people in the world think the most simple, simple people in the world, you know, the people who don't really that educated or, or that worldly think in these simplistic terms about being gay and what it means to be gay. When, uh, in reality, your sexuality is far more complex, of course, than just who you, whom you sleep with or, or what you look like or what you dress like or what kind of, you know, mannerisms you may possess. Unfortunately, uh, the majority of the world uh, thinks this way. And um, so it's upon you as a gay person, if you're listening and you're gay, to actually, you know, prove that being gay means a rainbow of things. That's why we have a rainbow flag, because being gay, we have very, very highly masculine men. We have very, very effeminate men. We have very, very masculine women and very, very effeminate women and so on and everything in between. And um, there is, you know, gender roles as defined when we're, we're born are essentially assigned to us. And I'm talking gender roles and I'm not talking necessarily gender, like whether you're a boy or girl, like physically, I mean, gender roles. So that's why a lot of transsexuals exist because they are assigned at birth, whatever their gen, their genitalia tells people. And therefore they're told, so if you have, if you have a penis and testicles, then you're going to be a boy and a boys behave this way. And they have, they wear blue and not pink and blah, blah, blah. And if you're a girl and you have a vagina uh, and breasts, then you're going to need to behave this way and wear pink and be effeminate and, and uh, all these other qualities we associate with femininity. And these things are all completely arbitrary. And I actually read or saw a video actually a couple of weeks ago about this um, exact thing that said, or that illustrated this because it, it showed that in before 1950, I think it was 55 or something like that. Um, boys typically were given blue, pink as the masculine uh, color and girls were given blue as the feminine color. And up until that time, pink was considered a very strong, because it's such a bold color. It was very strong. And so it's considered to be strong and manly or whatever. And blue was considered to be soft and powdery and in like the clouds or whatever, you know? And so it was completely arbitrary just as it is today. And just like we ascribe anything to anyone else in the world, you know, colors are just the same way. So just because we say a man is supposed to behave a certain way, who says, who says, if you have a penis and testicles and you are, you're a fucking man, it doesn't matter what anybody else says to you, whether you're gay, straight, transgender, whatever, you're a man until you have the surgery. If you're, if you're transgender and if you are transgender, um, it's different with transgender people because transgender people have their sexuality, their, their gender, excuse me, is a, is a mental thing for most people and how they behave. And so for them, they actually, you know, what their genitalia is, it doesn't dictate that for them. That's why they change it because it doesn't match what's going on in their brain and how they feel about themselves. So obviously that's a different story, but for heterosexual men and gay men and uh, straight um, women and gay women, if you have a vagina, then you're a female. If you have a you know penis, you're a male. 
And if you behave butch or if you behave effeminate on either side of the coin, it doesn't fucking matter what somebody else says. Be yourself, love yourself as you are. If you're the butchest dyke ever, be the butchest dyke ever. Who the fuck cares what somebody says about you? If you're the, the nelliest queen ever, be the nelliest queen, be the biggest nelliest queen you could be. And all of these people have value. I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to me to see the, as I said, the rainbow of, of people within our community and the types of people we have. And if we were all exactly the same, it'd be fucking boring, not only within the world as a whole, but within our community. Um, it's a good thing we have bears and we have twinks and we have, um, um, I don't know, whatever else there is, leather guys. And <laughs> we have just your preppy guys and average guys or and next door, boys next door or whatever. And you have your dykes and you have your lipstick lesbians and you have in between everything. So it's good that we have these things. And whatever someone wants to be and however they feel comfortable should be okay with people. So for people to say, you know, that, oh, I think it's disgusting when a man acts this way, acts effeminate. And it's definitely pervasive within our culture, especially in American culture that a man has to act a certain way otherwise he's seen as a pussy or a bitch or or or, or feminine or whatever or a girl and that is somehow considered to be an insult to call a man a girl is an insult why women are powerful women are beautiful women have a great deal more to offer in a lot of ways than men do in some ways so women are fan fucking fantastic so to be compared to a woman is not a bad thing. And for a woman to be compared to a man is not a bad thing because men are fucking amazing as well. We have great things that women don't have. That's the beauty of these two sexes is that we have these different, um, these different uh, positives and negatives about ourselves. These, you know, so stop giving a fuck what people think. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't fucking matter if somebody uh, thinks that you're disgusting because you're effeminate and you, you like to walk around, um, prancing or whatever, and you talk with a lisp or whatever the case may be. Who the fuck cares? Fuck them. And in my experience, most people who are who are um, who are effeminate like that, most gay men who are effeminate like that, don't generally give a shit because they've had they've generally been that way their most of their lives, and they've had to endure so much uh, you know bigotry and um, um, aggressiveness and, and, and brutalism and bullying from people that they've grown such a thick skin that most of them, it doesn't bother them anyway. So, um, but the, the, the problem is not with the, with the gay people. The problem is with the people who think there's something wrong with them in the first place, uh, to be what and who they are. So, or who we are, should they? So anyway, um, I, that, that, so that, that story kind of pissed me off about the Beijingers thing because I figured, you know, what the fuck, um, we've been talking a lot about depression lately because obviously, uh, of Robin Williams. I talked about that on brain purge on the last show I did, I think. And, uh, Perez Hilton has been talking about his own depression and, um, depression in the gay community is pretty pervasive as well. Or, you know, more so than in the, uh, heterosexual community, because we obviously, we have a lot more to deal with than our heterosexual counterparts. If you, if you, go around and you're a heterosexual, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant male or female, <laughs> then you have far less to concern yourself with 
Um, generally speaking, obviously people have different lives and different stations in life, et cetera. But I'm saying generally speaking, than a black person or a gay person or a Hispanic person or, you know, whatever. And gay people have a lot of things to deal with, specifically bigotry, as I was mentioning before, and um, having to come out, which is very stressful and having to um, to be accepted by people that you once loved and loved, once loved you. And and it's just a very, very difficult thing. And so, so being depressed is, is very pervasive within our community because a lot of times we're not accepted for who and what we are. And um, it's something that I think is a big problem. I mean, I don't think I know it is. And, you know, that's why you have a lot of suicides, especially in the teenagers who are gay, gay or lesbian, GLBT, whatever. And um, um, something has to be done about it because these people, a lot of times, don't have anyone to talk to and they feel isolated. I know when I was young, uh, I was fortunate enough to have um, a family I knew loved me and my mother, my grandmother, regardless of who and whatever I was or wherever I became. I, I didn't worry about that. Um, but most people aren't, aren't as, you know, in that age range, aren't always as fortunate as I was. So if you are, you know, out there and you uh, feel isolated and alone, whatever age you are, I don't care if you're, you know, 16 or if you're 80, whatever age you are, um, you know, there are people who care and who would care if they got to know you, you know, if you're a decent person, which I'm sure you are, then just open yourself up and, and don't cut yourself off. Of course, circumstances sometimes prevent that. But uh, if you ever want to talk to someone and you need someone to talk to and you're depressed, you can always email me at info at offlimitshow.com and I won't put it on the air unless you say it's okay. And, uh, you can also, also always call me, um, at uh, 214-377-048. Uh, one is eight, nine. I'm sorry. It's on my, it's on my webpage. I can't remember. I can never remember the number cause I never use it anymore. Um, but it's on, uh, off limit show.com. So feel free to, to, um, do that. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So, um, I watched a movie the other day with Robin Williams, Robin Williams, speaking of that. And it's really eerie because uh, it was a movie he did just a couple of years ago when it wasn't well known. I don't even know if it was released to theaters or not, but it was called, uh, I can't remember. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, but what it was about is this guy's, um, he's, he's, a, he's a teacher. He's a English and poetry teacher in high school. And his son goes there and his son is this real asshole. Anyway, he ends up killing himself. His son does. But the way he, his son kills himself two years ago in the movie is exactly the way that Robin Williams killed himself. It was so weird to me that two years ago, Robin Williams does this movie. And then two years later, he finds his son. He, he, and two years later, we find him exactly the same way. But, um, you know, and people are always saying, I can believe that they killed himself, whatever. And depression, unfortunately, it, it, depression always, almost always has signs. It's very rare people who are severely depressed. You know, you can't notice a change in their demeanor or their attitude or whatever, or their actions. So look for the signs in your friends or gay friends and lesbian friends and transgendered friends. And, you know, transgender people have it even harder, I think, in my opinion, than gay and lesbian people do, obviously, because um, we're making great headway in our fight for equality, which is include, exclusive of theirs mostly but not always. And they are still kind of left behind at step one. So it's really unfair. Um, so hopefully you'll, you know, check it out. Oh, by the way, I was watching, um, kinky boots a couple of nights ago. I had never seen kinky boots. Now I watched the Cindy Lauper, uh, reality show last year about her life. And on the reality show, she was talking about, she was writing this, uh, this Broadway musical with Harvey Firestein. 
and they were writing it together and she was writing the music for it and everything else. And, uh, um, she, it ended up being a smash hit on Broadway. And so, um, I was really you know excited about that. So I, I'd never seen it. Of course, I don't live in New York, so I couldn't go watch it on Broadway unless I visited there. And so I, I watched it on, um, there's a movie they made about it, I guess last year, um, on uh, Netflix and, um, called Kinky Boots, the movie. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's a really good movie. It's got, you know, a drag queen and it's got, anytime there's a drag queen, honey, there's going to be some fun. Um, you know, it's got a drag queen and it's got a, uh, it's got music and it's got fun and sass and, um, it's got, it's got a message of course. And so, um, I really liked it a lot. So if you haven't seen Kinky Boots, the movie, definitely check it out. It's definitely worth watching. I think, um, for sure. Um, let's see. Oh, 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 and on a side note, I was going to talk to you quickly. I was going to talk about this on my, um, on my, um, um, brain perch show a couple of days ago, or a couple episodes ago, but I, for, I forgot to. So I'll talk about it on here real quick. Um, my dog, my dog, um, a couple, about a month ago, I, I had the vet come. I have a mobile vet who comes to the house because my dog is old. He's 13 and a half now. And, um, he's so sweet. I love him dearly. He's like my kid. And he actually um, had this mass on his backside. And so I had the vet come to him. She makes house calls. And uh, she examined him and uh, she, she took uh, biopsies and everything else. And it turned out that it was cancer. And he has this cancerous mass back there. And it grew and it grew. And so she came back a couple weeks later and she cut it, she cut it off. And that was not fun. It was so hard. Oh, it was so not fun watching that. But anyway, and... Um, she took it to the lab to make sure you see what kind of cancer it was, whatever. And it came back that it was adenocarcinoma or something. So my dog has cancer and, um, he's, I love him so much. And, um, anyway, he, he, he's the sweetest dog, by the way, he is the sweetest dog you will ever meet. Everybody, he's just sweet. Okay. He doesn't bite people. He doesn't bark at people. I mean, unless he's talking to you, he doesn't, he doesn't, um, hurt it. He wouldn't hurt a fly. He's, he's very docile. He's so, he's just the best dog in the world. He's always been the best dog. He's always followed me around everywhere I go and he's loyal and sweet. He's just the best. I mean, honestly, I couldn't have asked for a better dog ever. And I got him when I was, uh, 26, I think 25, 26. And, um, yeah, 25, I was 25 in 2001 as a puppy. He's a blue merle Sheltie. Um, and he's beautiful. He's a gorgeous dog. And, um, uh, and so I've had him all this time. I raised him from a puppy until, until now. And so to see him start to get so old and, and, and to slow down, he has a really hard time getting up his hind legs. Sometimes they don't work. As a matter of fact, today, um, my husband and I were watching TV and we heard a little kind of a whimpering sound. It wasn't whimpering exactly, but a little bit. And I went into the, to the living room, the formal one, and he was in there. Um, he couldn't get up and, um, I just feel so bad for him. So that's been happening a lot lately. And the, the vet has been giving him, um, prednisone and, um, some painkillers, tramadol and some other things to help him, you know, feel better. Cause the reason he can't get up and stuff is his arthritis is so bad and his hind legs are giving out. So if he, if he lives long enough, I'm going to, I'm going to get him a wheelchair if he needs it eventually, if he can't get around, once we pull, pull him up, he can walk around fine for the most part and slowly, but he gets around. Okay. But anyway, my point is, is so, um, 
the vet said after she found cancer in him that we need to take him to a cancer center for dogs and or, or for pets. And so there's a cancer center here in Dallas, not too far uh, off of Greenville and or Forest, and uh, it's on Greenville off of for, between Forest and LBJ. If anybody lives in Dallas, and um, so we took him there to the best doctor. He's, his name is uh, Doctor King. That's the vet's name. Um, he specializes in cancer in, in pets like dogs and cats and things. And, um, so we took him in there and, and he looked at him and said how, you know, everybody said how beautiful he was, my dog was and everything and how, how beautiful he was and how sweet he was because he is. (laughs) And, uh, the waiting room and the doctors themselves said it anyway. So he examined him and he looked at his blood work and stuff and said he was doing fine blessed blood wise, except for the cancer, obviously. And, uh, he didn't see any signs of the cancer having spread in his lymph nodes or anything, but we're going to have to actually do ultrasound or CT or whatever on his abdomen and also see if it spreads. So we're going to do that. And, um, that's going to be pretty penny. But anyway, the whole thing's going to cost about $5,000 to do that and the cancer treatments if he needs it. After we get the results back of that, if he, if he does, if he does have cancer spread, then we're going to have to give him chemo through pills and, um, uh, also irradiate the area that this, the, the, um, cancer was found in to make sure it's gone. So he said this could possibly buy him another year or so if, you know, of life beyond what his normal lifespan would have been. He's already passed the general lifespan for Shelties. Most Shelties live to about 13 years old. He's already 13 and a half. He'll be 14 in, in April. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, my, my point is I'm trying to consider whether it's worth it, whether I should actually give him chemo and put him through chemo because he has to go back three times a week for seven weeks to get the chemo and the radiation treatment. And there are side effects like nausea and diarrhea and things like that, just like in a human being having chemo or radiation treatment. And I really don't know if I want to put him through that, the poor thing. And you know, I don't want his last years or his last year maybe to be filled with um, going back and forth to the, to the vet and, and having chemo treatments and, and being nauseous, I want him to have the last, his last days, whenever they are, to be filled with joy and happiness and, and getting to eat whatever he wants, which has not been the case. I've always been very kind of strict about things. I give him treats several times a day and I feed him really good food, but that's it. So um, lately I've been relaxed about it and letting up and gives, feeding him a lot of treats and stuff like that. So whenever the day comes, whether it's sooner or later, uh, I'm going to one day going to give him steak and everything you're not supposed to eat as a dog. <laughs> uh, you know, a whole steak and like, I don't know, um, whatever he wants, uh, bacon and whatever real stuff. So, um, it can make his life happy. But anyway, that's what I'm dealing with lately. It's been sad. And, um, I really don't even think about it cause I really would miss him and I love him so much and he's been with me for so long, but we'll see what happens. But I wanted to tell everybody that's, that was going on. And because he's very important to me. <clears throat> the other thing that's going on is um, my husband and I are finally ready to get a, uh, adopt a child. And so we're starting that process soon. Um, when we have the time, that's been the issue is, is even getting the process started, going to the sessions and all that kind of stuff, which is pretty bad. But anyway, um, because it's going to take at least a year probably to get a kid that we want to, you know, uh, from an infancy. Um, so we decided to go that route because to actually have a surrogate 
do do the delivery and uh, carry the child and all that stuff is not a guarantee. And also, and that's after you spend a hundred thousand dollars on it for one child. And also, there's so many kids who need homes already and and are going to be given up or whatever. And I considered we consider actually adopting a an older child. Um, but I've mentioned on the show before that that concerns me because being a gay man or being gay men, um, we don't want to adopt a child that's already been um, brainwashed by religion or brainwashed by their by political leanings of their parents or their society they grew up in um, to hate gay people or to hate people of any kind. And I don't want to have anyone who's who's highly you know, bigoted, even in my kids. So, because whatever kid I have is not going to be that way. They're going to be a very open-minded child. And of course I could always help to mold them into something else eventually, but it's harder to do that with some kids already older. Um, that's really my only reason for not adopting an older child. I mean, adopting an old child is great because you have to worry about diapers and feedings and all that kind of stuff. And it's unlikely that they're going to be adopted anyway, because they usually age out of the system eventually if you're like, you know, 10, 12, 11, 13, whatever. And so, um, we would really be helping someone out. And um, we even were thinking maybe doing two kids at once, but maybe like a brother and sister or something. Um, but I don't know. We haven't, we haven't decided specifically what route we're going to go, but we are thinking about it. Um, and, you know, a lot of gay people are adopting these days. And um, that's what's so stupid about, you know, in Texas, by the way, if you're gay, you can adopt a child legally as a single man, but you cannot adopt the child as a couple. So my husband and I cannot adopt the same kid. We can only adopt a kid individually. And so both parents are not on the birth certificate or in the um, guardianship papers or anything like that, which is so fucking stupid. Of course, Texas does that because they don't want to recognize gay marriage in any capacity. <laughs> because if they recognize us as a gay couple for that purpose, they would have to recognize us as a gay couple for marriage or other things as well. So anyway, um, that's where that stands. Um, and, and, you know, we're looking forward to it. It's something that I really want. It's something he really wants. It's just a matter of, of timing. And, and I kept saying, saying to people in my family and my friends that I, I'm waiting for until this happens. So we've done this until the house is finished being remodeled and, you know, whatever we travel to so-and-so place. And, and everybody keeps saying already has the have kids already saying, you know, there's never going to be a right time. Just do it <laughs> because you're never going to have the perfect, everything set your ducks all in a row and whatever else. I think gay people do more so than heterosexuals because we don't have kids by accident because we have to plan for it. Definitely. But, um, I think they're probably right. I'm coming to the conclusion that that's probably true that every single thing, every facet of our lives is not going to be perfect when we have a kid the way I wanted it to be set up. Um, but so we're just going to go ahead and go for it. So that's the next thing for us. And so I'm excited about it. I'm ecstatic. And, um, once we can get ourselves in gear, that will be happening. So that is all I can say tonight on uh, Gay Mass. I'll be back uh, with Brain Purge probably later in the week. I always say that, but uh, if I have time, if not, I'm going to have um, a great uh, vacation coming up soon uh, this weekend. So um, I'll be out for a while, um, but um, I'll be back next week for sure with new shows for the Off Limits show. I'm signing off. This is Donovan. Good night. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. 
Download your EVIC coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with EVIC and Harris Teeter Fuel Points. 